Welcome to the weekly message from Encounter, where the past has no future and hope is reborn. Our speaker today is Bishop Michael Rice, lead pastor at Encounter. Good morning, church. Turn your Bibles with me, if you would, to the book of uh, Luke, chapter 17. I'm going to share with you for the next few minutes something the Lord has put in my heart to share with you. It's simply entitled, Dancing Ain't Dealing. That'll make sense in a minute. Dancing ain't dealing. You ever known somebody just dance around problems instead of just dealing with them? Let me encourage you this morning. I, if you know me, I'm not one for being anything but just straightforward. There's a real real spirit of deliverance here this morning. And you, you don't want to miss those moments. I, I understand that God can do anything at any time. But there are times when the Holy Spirit, whatever God does has to be in, res, in us. It has to be in response to the Holy Spirit. And when he taps you on the shoulder and says, today's the day, then don't make it tomorrow because you're not ready yet. Amen? It's, it's when he, he knocks. Blind Bartimaeus, you know, Jesus was passing by in that moment, and, and blind Bartimaeus didn't know that he was never going to come back to that city again. And he cried out, and, and Jesus kept going, and, he, and the disciples told him to be quiet, and he cried the louder, because that was his moment, and that, that changed. Jesus turned back, and his life was never the same. And there are those moments, trust me, somebody who's been walking with God for a while, there are those moments when, when God is touching you, that is the moment to respond. Okay? When, when you do what God wants to do in you on his timetable, then God really is God. But when you do what God wants to do in you on your timetable, you're God. Amen? Luke 17, verse 1. Speaking of Jesus, it says, Then said he unto the disciples, It is impossible, but that offenses will come. But woe unto him through whom they come. It were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and he cast into the sea, than that he should offend one of these little ones. Take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive him. And if he trespass against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. And the apostle said unto the Lord, Increase our faith. And the Lord said, if you had faith as a grain of mustard seed, 
you might say unto the sycamine tree, Be thou plucked up by the root, and be thou planted in the sea, and it should obey you. Would you stretch your hands this way and pray with me and for me this morning? Father, I'm, I'm burdened and I'm grateful. I'm burdened to share your heart with your people, and I'm grateful for the opportunity to be here, and yet I'm, I'm overwhelmed with this knowledge that in and of myself I can do nothing of value to your kingdom. I ask you, Father, to help me to, de- to declare what you've put in my heart. Holy Spirit, you're the real preacher here. Would you take what is shared and would you bring truth to every soul in this building this morning? And even those that may be listening through Facebook, I just, I just pray, God, that you do a supernatural work in every life. And Father, I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. This verse starts off, this story that we just read starts off in a funny way. We, we serve a God that, without God, it says, all things are possible. Isn't that what it says? But Jesus throws us a curveball. He says, it's impossible. That offenses won't come. You know what that means? It's going to happen. God's saying literally, I can't stop it. When sin was introduced to this world, it set in motion events that will happen that you and I will get hurt. It's going to happen. Offenses are going to come. And they're never going to stop. Offenses are just going to keep being there. It's going to be a constant way of life. Okay, nobody wants to run and shout on that. I get it. But truth brings freedom. Jesus never introduces a problem without providing a remedy. But it starts with you knowing this, that offenses are going to come. Whether you have been offended yesterday, maybe this morning, maybe I didn't shake your hand, maybe your offense is deeper than that. Maybe it happened 10, 20, 30, 40 years ago. Maybe it happened when you were a child. I know there have been times in my life as an abused child of an alcoholic father, I felt like everybody was happy except me. Anybody ever been there? Like, they, they have a normal life. They don't have struggles. They don't have problems. I was going through a bad time in my life even as a pastor, and I remember driving down the road, and as stupid as this is now to say, I'm driving down the road, and I... I passed his church and I thought, why can't I be like that guy? He didn't have any problems. I didn't know who he was. I don't know nothing about him, but, you know, you can, you can be deceived by the enemy. I wish I was like that guy. That guy don't have any problems. I can just tell. I got all the problems. It's impossible. It's impossible, but that offenses are going to come. 
There's going to be things that go wrong. There's going to be things that are unfair. There's going to be times when something's going to happen to you that is going to offend you. And I think Jesus is telling us here that just understand that that's an unfortunate part of life. It's going to happen. There is nothing that has happened to you or me that cannot be found repeated somewhere else to somebody else. Offenses are going to come. And then Jesus says, woe to them that cause these offenses. I don't know how many times I read through those verses in my life until yesterday I saw something that I never understood before. Jesus is making sure that you understand where he stands on this issue of your hurt. He first speaks to the offended, the wounded person, and says, I'm sorry, but that's just the way it is. And then he turns to the person who caused the offense, and he says, woe to you. What God is saying in this moment is I am on the side of the wounded person. Because there are times in my life that bad things happen to me and the enemy convinced me that bad things happen to me because God didn't like me. Anybody ever been there? If God loved me, then that wouldn't happen. I wouldn't be suffering in this way and I wouldn't be going through this and I wouldn't have this struggle and nobody knows what it's like to be me. Nobody knows this struggle that I have and Jesus saying to the wounded, listen man, I'm on your side. You that caused this woe to you, it would be better if a large rock were hung around your neck and you to be cast into the sea than that you hurt one of my kids. Whew. Don't you ever doubt where God stands on this issue of your woundedness. He's on your side. So he starts by speaking to the wounded person and saying, it's the way of life. It's the, 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 the world you live in now. You're going to be wounded. And you, sir, are in trouble. Then in verse 3, he turns back to the wounded and he says, you need to take care of yourself. You need to be careful right here. I know that you're wounded, but listen to me. You need to take care of yourself. Take heed of yourself. Why? Because we know. We know that wounded people wound people. We know that hurting people hurt people. We know that people that were molested become molesters. We know that people that were raised in abusive home become abusers. We know that people that are raised by alcoholics tend to become alcoholics. And Jesus knows that what's really taking place here in this moment of your wound is you are being groomed to move from there to there. 
You're being groomed to go from being the one that was wounded to the one that does the wounding. Somebody say amen. If you hold on to this, if you take this and, and, and just, just keep it in, you are being groomed to become the one who does the wounding. So he says, here's how you take care of yourself. Forgive. Your brother offends you, forgive him. If he forgives you seven times in a day, forgive him seven times in a day. The disciples hear this and they, to me, one of the funniest verses in all of Scripture. They hear this and they go, increase our faith. Reminds me of the time in, in Jaws. Anybody ever see the movie Jaws? And they're out in the boat, and they see the first time they see Jaws, and the guy goes, we need a bigger boat. <laughs> that's, that's, that's what the disciples are saying here. I, I got I, I, I I to forgive and forgive and forgive and forgive. I, I, need, I need something more. I need, I need something increased. I, I, don't, I don't have enough. I, we need to increase our faith, we think, because we dance around the problem. Jesus is trying to get us to understand that this, this offense and forgiveness, listen to me for a moment, he's trying to get us to understand this is an unfortunate natural part of life. It's going to happen. It's impossible to go through life without being offended. So he's telling us what to do here. Listen, it's going to happen. Anybody in here breathing? Okay. On the count of three, I want everybody to take a good deep breath. And hold it until I count to three. And hold it until I say let go, okay? How many's in? I'm, if you're offended by it, just don't do it. That's easy, that's easy enough. Take a breath and hold it till I tell you to release it, okay? One, two, three. Okay, now hold it. What Jesus is trying to get them to understand is that this process of being offended... And forgiving is just as natural in life as breathing. And you need to take care of yourself. You, you need to breathe. How many, how many know you need to breathe? You need to breathe. You, you just can't go without breathing. You can, you can go 40 days without eating. And you can go three days or more without drinking water. But you can only go about a minute and a half or two minutes without breathing, and then you get into trouble. So Jesus is saying, listen, you're going to need to breathe. Some of you are breathing. Stop. I didn't tell you. I didn't tell you. Man, we got a spirit of rebellion in the building this morning. 
He's trying to get us to understand something that this process of being offended and forgiving is like breathing. You can't hold it in. You probably didn't hear half of what I said while you were holding it in. All you thought about is, did he forget about me? How many know what I'm talking about? You were, you were stuck there at your last breath. And that's, listen to me, I'm, I'm not trying to be funny, but, but that's how offense works. If you hold in the last thing that happened to you, then your life becomes consumed with that last moment, that last thing. And Jesus said, listen, I want you to take care of yourself. Breathe. Just breathe. <laughs> Somebody get him some water. The dude's about to go out. You, you can't hold it in forever. It will come out one day. Give it a year, give it two years, give it five years. If you're going to die, go out in the hallway, please. Don't, dis don't mess up my service. Jesus is trying to let us know something that it's most unfortunate that that's the way it is, but it's impossible. It's impossible to go through life without having offenses come. You know that. It's like going to Disney World and don't expect to spend any money. Oh, no, no, you'll be spending money. You'll spend money to ride the bus. To, you'll spend money to park the car. You'll spend money to ride the bus to get in. You'll spend money to get in. You'll spend money for every hot dog. If they catch you looking at something, they'll say, that's a dime, please. We saw you look at that building. That's a dime. You, you, you don't go to Disney World without taking money with you. Jesus is saying when you get up in the morning, get ready. Offenses are going to come. It was never his will. It was his will that we never know offense, but... But sin has been introduced. And because there's sin, there's going to be offense. But we, we, don't, we, don't, we don't often deal with it. We just dance around the problem. We dance around it with coping mechanisms. We cope with it by pouring ourselves into our job. We just pour ourselves in and 10, 12, 14 hours, it's, there's never a day off. You're always thinking about your job. It's an escape mechanism. It's a, you don't deal with it, you just dance around the problem. Instead of just facing it and, and dealing with the problem, you dance around with it, with, with work. Some people dance around it with alcohol. Unfortunately, in our society, we, we honor somebody who dances around with work and we look down on somebody who dances around it with alcohol, the, re the reality is they're both the same person. Give me one of these. People dance around it with sex. They just, I got to have more. I got to have attention. I got to get on Facebook. 
Selfie, 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 selfie. What if I put ears on? What if I put dangling things? What if I change my face? What if I put my face on a different body? You know what I'm saying? What if I... Here's a selfie of me looking this way. Now here's a selfie of me looking this way. Here's a selfie of me looking up. Here's a selfie of me looking down. I'll be back in an hour. I'm going to go live with selfies. Pictures aren't enough. Now they've got to have live videos. I saw a live uh, uh, outtake of a, a young lady doing a live video on how to do your makeup, how to do her hair. She had a curling iron. She stuck it in her hair, and she's talking for a minute, and she pulls it away, and all of her hair comes with it. I guess it was too hot. I don't know. And she didn't notice at first, and she kept talking. All of a sudden, she looked down, and... Some people have a coping mechanism called church. They hide from their problems by hiding in church, putting on all, going through all the motions, chasing an experience here, there, everywhere. Went to pastor our first church, and like any young preacher, especially one who has got zero confidence in himself, I'm, I'm just struggling. I get up every, I feel like when I got done preaching, I owed an apology to the entire community for what I just did, you know, and and you, you, you're looking for encouragement anywhere you can get it. And I wasn't getting any. In fact, I had just the opposite. I had a little lady in there. And she'd come on Sunday mornings, her and her husband, and she'd sleep through the service. Unfortunately, she sat in the third seat all the way back on the left-hand side, so it's like I can't even miss her. be leaving church and she'd say pastor I want to let you know I won't be back tonight it's back when we had Sunday night service and she said I'm going I'm going over Thomasville Baptist Church they're having revival oh man and she'd say this now you want to hear some good preaching I'm not exaggerating it and then she'd come back next Sunday Oh, Pastor, I tell you what, Thomasville's been in revival. I've been over there every night. I'll tell you what, it's just incredible. I ran all over last night. I am sore from running so much last night. And 40 minutes later, there she is. I don't do much for you. She'd do it again. Pastor, I won't be there tonight. I'm going over to Reynoldsburg. They're having a revival, and I'm going, man. I heard this guy before. Now, there was a good preacher. She was a demon sent from hell to buffet me. God gave me grace. I just dealt with it. That went on for a long time. One Sunday morning, she came in and she said, Pastor, I heard a message last night. I have never heard anything like that in my life. I will never be the same. I will never, ever be the same. She's like 70 years old. I will never be the same after last night. Maybe it was me. I think it was the Holy Spirit. 
But the thought hit me. Ask her what she heard. I said, that's incredible. What, what, what did he preach on? She goes like this. I don't remember. I don't remember. But boy, I shouted all over the place. I said, what was his text? What scripture did he use? I don't know. Oh, man, Pastor, I am tired. I, I shouted and shouted. I got dizzy I was running so much. And yet she constantly fought depression. Because she literally danced around it without dealing with it. Never really getting to it. Some people's coping mechanism is vengeance. You want them to get what they got coming to them. You want them to pay. You can't wait to hear through the grapevine that they are suffering. You can't wait to hear. You could even help it along if need be. You could, you'd be willing to help pain come their way if you could do it without getting caught. How many know what I'm talking about? And you don't understand that that making them worse does not make you better. In actuality, the Bible says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. So you have become God when you demand vengeance. You say, Pastor, no, I just want justice. Trust me, you don't want justice. If you want justice for them, God will bring justice to you. For the same measure you measure against them, God will measure against you. I don't want justice. I want mercy. And so I'm going to have to extend mercy. Self-deception. I don't care. That didn't bother me. It didn't bother me that they did that. It didn't bother me. I don't care. I, I never really loved them. I don't, I don't care that he left. I don't care that she left. It, I don't care. You know what depression is? Anger that's turned inward. Take it to the bank. Depression is anger turned inward. As opposed to dealing with it, you just, you just take it in like that breath that I didn't tell you to release you just take it in and you hold it in as long as you can and then when it comes time to let it out Proverbs puts it this way it's kind of a funny verse Proverbs puts it this way the beginning of strife is as when one lets out water. Okay, you didn't understand that. When you start going pee, and you got to stop. No, it ain't happening. All right? 
I mean, who I'm talking about? I'm going. I have held this. It, it's Bible, people. The beginning of strife is as when one lets out water. Therefore, leave off contention before it be meddled with. Just, just leave it off. Leave, leave, leave the offense. Just get up every morning and, and stock your spiritual pocket with forgiveness. Because offenses are going to come. And you know they're going to come. You know there's going to be a toll booth somewhere. You know you're going to have to pay for something somewhere. And so go ahead and get loaded up with forgiveness. And this is for you. You see, don't mistake forgiveness. Forgiveness is not so much for the other person. Forgiveness is for you. That's what Jesus is talking about. Take heed to yourselves. Offenses are going to come. You might get offended once today. You might get offended seven times today by the same person. Forgive. And then Jesus says this. If you had great faith as a grain of mustard seed, you might say unto the sycamine tree, Be thou plucked up by the root, and be thou planted in the sea, and it should obey you. Here's what's unique about that, that terminology that he's used there. Every other time he's talked about a seed of mustard, faith as a seed of mustard, he's always used the word mountain. In this instance, he used a tree. So that's up on the screen. You want to know why he said a tree? Because a tree, unlike a mountain, a tree has roots that go down. Now, some of you who have lawns with a few weeds in it, you will understand this. If you're like me where you have weeds with a few blades of grass, this doesn't make any sense. But you, you can't just cut the weed off at the surface because it, it's just going to grow back. The, the only way to get rid of that weed is to pull it out. You can cut it and cut it and cut it, and it just keeps coming back and coming back. How many know what I'm talking about? This is what Jesus had in mind when he didn't say to the mountain, Be thou cast into the sea. He says it's a sycamine tree. Sycamine tree is known for the depth and the abundance of roots. Google it. You don't trust God, trust Google. And if you don't get to the root of it, if you don't get to the root of your anger, if you don't get to the root of your addiction to work, your addiction to sex, your addiction to alcohol, your addiction to drugs, your addiction to money, your addiction to attention, your addiction to fame, your addiction to things, your addiction to church, your addiction for an experience. If you don't get to the root of it, you will be led around like a horse with a ring in its nose. And the root of it, the Bible plainly says, it's the root of bitterness. 
Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. Follow after peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord, looking diligently lest any man fall of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Now you've got to understand who the writer of Hebrews is talking to. He's not talking to the world. He's talking to the church. And here's what he says. Follow after peace with all men. We want to pick out the ones. I'll follow after peace with him. I like him. I'll follow after peace with him. I like him, but I'm not going to follow after peace with that guy. He didn't say follow after peace with the good people. He didn't say follow after peace with the ones you like. He said follow after peace with all men. Why? It's for your good. It's for your good. Can I, can I tell you, more than three decades of pastoring, there's been a couple of people that have offended me. Just a couple. And there's not a one of them I can't walk up to and give a hug to. They sent their kid to beat up my kid. Didn't matter, he was seven years older. They were mad at me, so they sent their kid to beat up my kid. And told him so. I could hug him. Follow after peace. This is self-preservation we're talking about here. Follow after peace. Peace is, you know what it's telling you? Peace is on the move. I've got to follow it. I've got I to find it with everybody. Some people it's easy to find peace with. And some people are like David. You just got to work at it. Some people it just comes easy. Some people, yeah. I used you because I know you wouldn't get offended. <laughs> I don't need forgiveness, man. Who do you think you are? <laughs> and holiness. Can, can I tell you something? Holiness is not the way you dress. Yeah, of course you ought to dress modestly. Holiness is not how many times you speak in tongues, how much you read your Bible. Holiness is not about how often you go to church. Some of the weirdest people I've ever met would tell you they're the holiest. And I shall shelter my kids from those people. Holiness literally means purity of heart. I, I want to I engage, God wants us to engage each other and him with purity of heart. The time is coming and now is, Jesus said, that the true worshipers will worship him in spirit and in truth. We don't get along with each other because we have too many roots that you're never really dealing with the person. You're dealing with all the roots. 
the root of bitterness. They're still mad at dad. They're still mad at their brother. They're still mad at their ex-wife. They're still mad at their teacher. They're still mad at their pastor. They're still mad at somebody, and it's being taken out on you. How many times have you been in a situation with somebody and you said, where did that come from? I'll tell you where it came from. It came from the roots. The root of bitterness that they've been carrying with them. And, and you don't understand that when you marry this, that, that poor woman at the well, been married five times and is living with a guy who isn't even her husband. I understand how, it, how you can have compassion for her. I also have compassion for him. I want to tell you, she's a mess. Come on. He's not married to her. He's not in a relationship with her. He's in a relationship with her and the five men that have done her wrong. And eventually, she'll make him pay. You know, there's that lawyer on TV. I forget his name. He's kind of an intense blue-eyed bald-headed guy, and he said, I'll make them pay. And when we, we, you say, Pastor, I just need a new man. No, no, no. (laughs) You don't need a new man. You don't need a new woman. You don't need a new job. You don't need a new church. You don't need a new home. You don't need more money. What you need to do is get rid of the root of bitterness that you have. You need to live your life in such a way that you know that offenses are going to come. Then you deal with it quickly. Matthew 5, 25, agree with an adversary quickly. Why? Because it'll just grow root. It'll just grow in you and it'll grow in you. But even then, Jesus said, it's not that hard. You can, if you have the faith of a grain of mustard seed. Listen to me. Uh, There's such hope in those words. God is telling you, you're not in this by yourself. You want to forgive? He's there with you. He never leads where he doesn't empower. He's there with you. You want to forgive? Just, Just act on it. All you need is a, just a little, little, little bit of faith. Not a bunch of faith, a little bit of faith, he said. I don't like feel like forgiving him. Who said you had to feel like forgiving him? I don't like him anymore. Who said you had to like him? I don't want to be around him. Who said you had to be around him? I don't want to kiss him. Who said you had to kiss him? He just said forgive him. That's it. Like... You know, we have a term. It's just easy. It's like breathing. Forgiveness is, should be that way, folks. You see, you make it sound too easy. I, I didn't say it. He did. If he offends you once today, forgive him. If he offends you seven times today, forgive him. Why? Because that's what you've got to do to take care of yourself. If you don't do that, then you're not at peace. You're not walking in holiness. And without... Without peace and holiness, no man will see the Lord. You know what that's you're saying? This isn't necessarily talking about your eternal destination. That's talking about you, you won't see God anymore. You won't see what he's doing in your life or trying to do because you're wrapped up in being offended. 
and you see the offense and you think the offense and you eat the offense and you sleep the offense and you're missing out on everything that God is doing. And then you get depressed. And then you end up telling people, I just, I don't know what happened. I don't feel God anymore. I don't hear God. I don't see him doing anything in my life. came to the altar he'd been troubling he'd, he'd, he, he was we'd had a unique relationship he had I'll leave that part out but he's been walking with God for about seven months at this point and during prayer request time he would stand and say I just need the church to pray for me I just I'm doing everything I know to do, and yet it's like God doesn't hear me. I just, I, 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 I just, I go to church, I pray, I read my Bible, I, I give my tithe, and, and I, I don't hear God. I don't, I don't see God doing anything. And all of us had celebrated just months earlier when he got saved because it was such a dramatic change for a man, and, and it was genuine. But now. Fast forward a number of months and he doesn't see God, doesn't see God doing anything, doesn't feel God, nothing's happening. What's and this was week after week and it I could I could just as a pastor I could see that settling on the church like you know, a, a, a spirit of why is God helping him? He's, why isn't God? Why isn't God? And I, I prayed, and I, I said, God, I, I don't know what to do here. I know, I know something's wrong, but I don't know how to fix this. And it's just, man, the whole body is getting drowned with this self-pity. I don't know what to do, God. And Sunday night, Spirit of the Lord was moving, and he come up among, with other people to be prayed for. And I stood in front of him, and he said, Pastor, I just... And he literally said it this way. I, I don't know why God's doing me this way. That fast, I went from compassionate to anger in my spirit. I didn't know why. Why is God doing me this way? That's an accusation against God. And God told me. And I leaned forward and I said, hey, come into church and you act like you're just doing everything right and God is somehow failing you God wants you to know and this is exactly what he said the purple shoe box that you've hidden in the back of the, your closet that your wife doesn't know that's there that you pull out when she's around and you take care of yourself you've replaced him with that so don't act like God doing you some way. Step back. Nobody heard me say that to him but him. He looked at me and said, Pastor, what do I do? I said, forgive the guy who molested you at seven. He stood there six foot four, 
former Ohio State linebacker, big boy, cried like a baby. And that root, that root of bitterness had been in him all those years. Listen to me for a moment. Don't dance around it. Deal with it. Because dancing ain't dealing. There is not enough sex you can have to fix this. There's not enough drugs. There's not enough alcohol. There's not enough church experiences. There's not enough work you can do. There's not enough food. There's not enough vacation. There's not enough money. None of that fixes this. Jesus said, know this, it's going to happen. There'll be some days where you only get offended once, and there'll be some days where you get offended seven times by the same person. He said, here's how you take care of yourself. Just forgive them. Exhale. And move on. Because I want to tell you something. Here's what he spoke to my spirit. What you're holding on to is not worthy to be compared to what he has planned for you. But you will never have what he has planned for you as long as you hold on to that. Would you stand to your feet? That's Bishop Michael Rice, lead pastor of Encounter. More messages from Pastor Rice are available at our website, godenc.com. You can subscribe to our regular podcast through our website or on iTunes. Find us on Facebook under Encounter.